there, I'm Dave Wagner. Welcome to another episode of Come On Down with Rich Fields right here. Uh, this is a podcast that is really all about Rich's time in Hollywood, working on The Price is Right with both Bob Barker and Drew Carey. Uh, it's really all about game shows yep. in general, uh, because over the over the years you have lent your voice to some, what, nine different game shows? Nine different game like shows, yeah. Uh, and titles in your lifetime. Uh, so it's bells, buzzers, and anything <laughs> game shows. And boy, do we have a treat for you today. Oh, we sure do. We've been uh, publicizing this for a couple of weeks and uh, viewers are very excited. Uh, if you don't know uh, much about this guy, uh, he was born in San Francisco. He's a California native. I won't say what year. Uh, he worked on Match Game, Family Feud, Double Dare, uh, The Price is Right, of course. Uh, now you see it. Um, he started on The Price is Right in 1972 as a staff member, became a producer in 84, I believe. We'll have Roger check on all this in a second. Created some 18 different pricing games on The Price is Right. Unbelievable. Creative guy. And he's won five Emmys. Ladies and gentlemen, Roger Dobkowitz. All right, Roger. Welcome. Great to have you here, Roger. It's fun to be here. I always like talking about game shows and prices right. Yeah, this is going to be the the end all to a lot. I mean, there's a lot of rumors on the internet. There's a lot of things people don't know about. And I always say, you need to ask Roger. Yeah, go straight to the source. Go straight to the source. So am I right, five Emmys? Well, I really have six because uh, Barker uh, had 21. And one day he said, Roger, I want you to have one of my Emmys. I, I'd rather give them away than have my heirs give wow. them away. So he started giving them away. He said, I'm giving you this one. This is the very last one I won. Uh, so I want you to take good care of it. So I have, I have six. Six. That's awesome. You know, Bob gave me something, too. Price is right, mug. What did he give you? Hey, a dollar fifty mug, Roger. I, I love this mug because it came right out of Bob Barker's cupboard in his kitchen, so I'll never give it away. I know they sell them. I know anybody can get them, but I love it. Yeah, well, that, it kind of shows the difference between your status at the Price is Right. Uh, Roger, you got a you got an Emmy Award from Bob Barker. Rich, you got a got a cup. Got a cup. That's yeah. how much you love to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, real quick, Roger, how many years total in game shows? Uh, I worked 36 years in game shows. Wow. I I started out, well, you know, I was always a game show nut. When I was a little kid, I used to watch the game shows. Uh, the game shows have been forgotten now, like Seven Keys and, and the big payoff. And then when I uh, was about to enter college, I was going to study law. And I was going through the little booklet they give you to schedule your classes and everything. I was paging through it for the pre-law classes. And there was, they taught classes in television. I thought, that's what I want to learn. I want to learn television. So I changed my, my major right away and I studied television. I went on to write a thesis on game shows. And that thesis found its way all the way to New York City and Mark Goodson. And I had an interview with Mark Goodson, and he hired me for The Price is Right. So he hired you off of your thesis? Right. He hired wow. me. I, I, I met him in New York, and it's, it's, it's funny. Everybody always laughs at this, but I've told this lots of times. 
So he turns to me and he says, okay, he hasn't hired me yet. He says, uh, so Roger, uh, when, when are you flying back to LA? And I said, flying back? I'm driving back. Oh my God. <laughs> his, his eyes, uh, his is multi-millionaire. His eyes open up and he says, you're flying, you're driving back? I said, yeah, I drove my VW all the way here. <laughs> and so I left, I left the meeting and I got back to the hotel and there was already a note there saying, please see Mark Goodson tomorrow. I went back to his office tomorrow and he said, I'm going to hire you, Roger, because apparently you have a lot of initiative if you chose to drive all the way to New York for an interview. Wow. I'm going to put you on a new show that I'm starting. I don't know what I want you to do on the show yet, but it's just starting. We're, we're bringing back uh, Prices Right. Wow. So you're, you're going to have a job in two months. It was two months before it really started. That's, so that's fantastic, that's Roger. Wow, what a story. Did you know I definitely did. And I had nothing to do on Price is Right for the first two or three weeks. I literally had nothing to do. I sat in my office. That is fantastic. Well, you, you got paid for doing almost nothing there in the beginning. And by the end, you were right. doing a lot of work. Everything. Did you know the, the legend of Mark Goodson at that point? Did you know that name well? Yes, yes. Because he, he was so famous and so big in the business, I didn't even send him my resume. My resume was my thesis. I had sent my thesis out to all these other producers and I didn't even bother with Mark Goodson because he's so big. I thought he's never going to hire little me. Um, somebody else had passed my thesis onto him. So that's how he got it. I knew he was big, but I thought he was so big he wouldn't hire little me. So I didn't even offer it to So him. you didn't even send it to him. I'll be darned. No, no, no. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. Ron Greenberg, who is a producer in game shows, got it, and he was impressed by it. He said, "I'm going to, I'm going to send this to, uh, uh, I'm going to pass this, this thesis on to people." What, what, was that the last time you drove cross country like that for a job interview? Yes, that was the last. Time. <laughs> that was my only job. People laugh at me because I really only had one job. I, I worked on other shows, but I had one job for 36 years. I never had to find another job. That's amazing, Roger. I was Roger. very, very fortunate. Roger once told me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Roger, you know in the game Match Game, mm -hmm. you remember Charles Nelson Riley always set up oh, a, yeah. that Roger, apparently you were like right next to Charles Nelson Riley just off camera, right? That was your spot? Right. That was my spot. <laughs> what did you do? I did cue cards. On that you show. did cue cards. Whenever, whenever a contestant would, would fill in the blank, I would have to write it down to hold up the card so Gene would remember what the contestants said. And I, of course, became uh, the butt of jokes, but I didn't mind being the butt of jokes because I'm a little bit of a ham. So I would do, I not on purpose, I would spell things wrong and they would laugh at me because I wouldn't and, and, That's and, hilarious. And Charles, and Charles would make fun of me because I, I was, I was, my hobby was roller coasters, so he sort of laughed at that. And so uh, Gene threw things at me, so I, I became sort of part of the show, the shenanigans going on, which was fun. Do you remember Zelda by any chance? Yes, Zelda. The mannequin? The mannequin, Zelda? yes. 
Yeah, there, we're looking at a picture of Charles Nelson Riley with Zelda in his lap. This is apparently from the very last episode of Match Game. What would, what was Zelda used for? Tell everybody. Zelda was uh, cameras during uh, uh, pre-rehearsals were focused on Zelda for, I guess, to uh, you know get all their color correct or black and originally black and white, I guess black and white and color correctly it would just it would the camera would just focus on them for an hour you know and then we would start rehearsal and everything should be all the cameras would have been adjusted based on the colors she was wearing she would wear you can see the little triangle there on her chest different yeah. color there i had That's heard she that was this doing. was actually a real person at one time that used to sit there and get color balance and so on and so forth is, is that true I I don't know for a fact that it's true, but it certainly sounds quite logical and reasonable that it, it, that's it, what it was. Is it true that Charles Nelson Riley had a thing for Zelda? <laughs> <laughs> no, Charles Nelson had, Riley had a thing for me. <laughs> yeah. No, he used to always say he used to turn down. Here I'm a young man in Hollywood, not married yet. He used to Roger, come come out on my boat this weekend. Come out on my boat. No, Charles, I'm not going out on the boat. <laughs> wow. I bet you got a million yes. great stories. But we have so many questions for you. Real quick, uh, let, me, let me just yes. start with one here, because we've talked about this on the podcast before, but maybe you can finally put this to bed for us. How much did Bob Barker make by the time he was done with The prices Right? Do you know? <laughs> no, he never told me. He never you, told me. Can you take a uh, guess? Do you have an educated guess? I, I think we used to say $5 million a year, 5 to $10 million a year. I I don't know. I mean, he he asked for stuff, and they gave it to him, I remember. Um, they He was about to retire at one point. One point, he phoned me up in the morning, and he said, Roger, I think I'm going to hang up my hat this year. I think I'm going to make this the last season. I said, no, Bob, you can't do that. You can't do that, Bob. Oh, no, Roger, I think it's done. No, Bob, everybody still loves you. Everybody still did. And I went on and on for about five or 10 minutes. And he said, oh, okay, Roger, I'll do another year. I felt, did I actually convince Bob to do another year? And thank and God you did. <laughs> what year was no, that? I uh, it was about five years before he quit because he, he then he signed a five-year contract, um, and so I thought I did it. It was me. <laughs> wow, good for you. Nice. You know, there's some irony in the fact, Roger, that this is a pricing game, but nobody knows or has any idea how much Bob Barker made. Yeah, <laughs> that price is a mystery. Well, you know, that's you know that's Hollywood for you. Hollywood, you always hear, oh, so and so makes so much money. Nobody's gonna reveal how much they really make. Right. Their PR guy will always say their star makes more money than they really make because that's how they negotiate their next contract. So if you hear a star saying, "Oh, you made fifteen million dollars on a picture," you might have only made five million. You know that's PR stuff. You can't believe those statements you get out of Hollywood. Right. I used to tell people I made four million. No, I didn't. Hey, if, if, if you look up me at Richfield's net worth, it says something like 18 million. I'm like, what, what, what the hell has Christine been doing all the money? You know, it's funny. They, 
people outside the business, I, I, other, other than the big stars and the big hosts, people outside the business think all of us just make fantastic amounts of money. People used to think like, for instance, the models, oh, they're making fortune. But the models only at that time made about $100,000 a year, but people thought they made like, oh, they must be making a million dollars a year. But most of us don't. You know, most of us sort of we make a good salary, but we don't make as much as, as these people think we make. Right, and we're all living in I mean, California where thought, everything right. is overpriced. Right. At point of correction. We always thought, Rich, we always thought, why didn't you buy that boat and buy that mansion? Because you were making so much money. We thought you were cheap. You were a misery person. <laughs> a point of correction, though, Roger, when, when Rich mentioned the $18 million that was speculated that he may make, um, actually, that was $18 million worth of memorabilia that he removed from the prices, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How much memorabilia did Rich take from the show? Was he always that first person to step up and say, could I have that? Yes, you were smart. Yeah. Yes, were, yes. If, if, I knew, if I knew Max Game was going to become a cult show, I would have taken a lot of stuff from that show. Oh, and bad. I took barely nothing from that show. And same thing with early years of Price is Right. Who knew the show was going to be on for 35 years and become a cult show? Right. I didn't take that much. I didn't, didn't I wish I had. What kind of memorabilia do you have? I have, uh... Besides the Emmys. I have this. <laughs> oh, that's cool. This was, that's really that cool. That was in a show. That was Showcase? in a showcase. Yeah. And uh, I, this was, this was used in the very first uh, 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 balance game. Which flopped. Oh yeah, balance and game. Brought back balance game. I have a, just little things like that. Nothing really big. I wish I had. I wish I had more big stuff. More stuff I could sell. Well, <laughs> Rich, Rich will sell you his for eighteen million dollars, Roger. <laughs> I used to have two storage units full of stuff, from podiums to uh, easy as one, two, three. I think it was. Remember the big tall. Yeah. Neon so, one, so, two, and three. What, I had the number one. I had a bunch of stuff, but I got so rid of what, it all what, when I left California. What, what you mean? You just got how? How did you get rid of it? Did you? Uh, I sold some of it. I gave some away. Left oh. some on the street. I gave. Uh, you know the lot. carpet in front of the big wheel with the uh, Goodson uh, Daisy on it. Yeah. The red carpet. Well, they replaced that, yeah. and I got the old one. I had it cleaned yeah. and it looked absolutely brand new. And so I rolled it up and I couldn't move it. This thing was so heavy. Oh, you know, Roger, I mean, it took three guys probably in a dolly to get it out onto the stage. And uh, I was moving from California and I had no room in the truck. I had a Harley in there and a, a Christine's car and everything from the house and I couldn't fit it in. And one of the moving guys saw some of the stuff that they were packing up and he was like El Precio Correcto? Senior Barker? I said yeah 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 and uh, so I knew he was a fan and I actually gave him the carpet from in front of the big wheel and I, I, I drove with him over his house and he put it in his living room. He took all the furniture out of his living room and rolled it out and put all the furniture back in. And this this is the moment when Roger Dopkowitz begins to sob. <laughs> Do you realize how many people on eBay yeah. price it right 
Korean superfans would have given you quite a little bit of money for that carpet. Yeah, I, I realize that now. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rich hasn't always made the best decision in his life, Roger. Um, have you, do you remember, uh, do, you, do you know the story about how Rich broke into the Price is Right studios? Do you know that story? I, I think we had him arrested, didn't we? You no, I don't know. Been, I don't know if I ever talked to Roger about it. Kathy Greco, I did because she was there the day it happened. I, but my dad and I, I snuck know. into CBS when I was 18, and we got caught oh. backstage by some gaming people, and uh, they had to sequester us. And it was the day I it was the day I met um, Johnny Olson because you guys had to seat me in the very back row and keep an eye on me and Dad because we'd seen all the prices and prizes backstage. <laughs> And that was the day during Johnny's uh, warm-up. I said, he said, any questions? I said, yeah, Johnny, how do I get your job? And he pulled me up on stage to say, come on down. Were, were, were those the days when we didn't have any security at CBS? <laughs> I, Apparently so. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I remember my first two or three years of working at CBS, we just walked through the front door. We just walked through. There was no no badges, nothing. It was we just walked through, and I always thought that was amazing how people just walked through the front door onto the studio. Well, and this, so is that how you got in? You just walked in? No, we went through that uh, the gate between CBS and the Grove, that circular turnstile. Oh, gate. And, and then you walked up the ramp. <laughs> Yeah. We walked yeah. up the ramp next to the commissary, right into the hallway, yeah. and all the prizes were out. You guys were getting ready to do a show. Yeah. So Rich's dad yep. is somewhere between being a good dad and a felon. <laughs> if you could strike, yeah. if you could strike somewhere in the middle, his dad helped sneak him in because he knew Rich was so crazy about this show. Yeah. Rich is back, back there, looking at at the prices that are about to be revealed on the show, and all of a sudden, you know, he hears somebody say, "Hey, hey, gaming official." It was some gaming official, he, and he was like, you know, what are you guys doing here? Are you part of the production company? And uh, my dad said, well, oh, that's you, right. I'm, I'm just showing my son around. And he's like, well, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I laughed with Kathy about it many times. She was there. She was the one that came out and had to come get us. This, this guy backstage uh -oh. was like, hey, I need somebody back here right away. And, and it was Kathy Greco with her little clipboard. And she was like, who are you people? What, what are you doing here? Yeah, too, too, too bad you didn't run into me because I was always a little bit more generous and nicer to the people who visited the show or even snuck in because I knew how they felt. So it was too bad you didn't run into me. Ditto, I agree. But it changed my said, life. Hey, I, I would have said, you want to meet Bob? I'll take you to Bob. I'll take you to Bob. Wow, wow. that would have been something as an 18-year-old <laughs> kid. Kind of person I, I was always with these visitors and people who try to see the stuff behind the set. So. Roger, do you remember the time that Rich called you? Rod Roddy had died, and, and Rich yeah. called you kind of out of the blue uh, and, and told you he was interested oh. in being an announcer. Do you remember that well? Oh, I remember that. I was sitting in my office. I remember him calling. What did you think? And I remember it was pretty bold. Him. It was pretty bold. Uh, we, we did have people like that, that, that did not, not too many, but um, I had a, uh, I think I picked up the phone directly, didn't I, Rich? You, you did, I and I told my... that story. Hi, it's Roger. And I was like, oh my God, he picked up the phone. I couldn't believe it, man. I, I used to pick up my phone a lot. Um, 
and I and I remember talking to you and telling you what you had to do. You had to submit. I said, put put your voice down some tape, and send it to me, and we'll listen to it. Isn't that what I said? Basically, that's exactly what I you said. said. Send me something. Yeah. I, my calling card was. I said, Roger, you don't know me from a hole in the wall, but I used to work at a Mark Goodson show in Florida, the Florida Lottery's Flamingo Fortune. And, and you were like, oh, wow, so you're a game show announcer. I said, well, I want to be, yeah, definitely. Yes, I remember that. And then I remembered when we had the big discussion of who to hire, it was between two or three people. And then Bob said, um, let's go with Rich. And I said, oh, great. And then he said, Raj, I want you to call him. Yes, handpicked by Bob Barker. How about that? Did you see oh, something? I did, I did, I get to convey the good news. I was so excited. I thought, I'm, this this is really will make Rich happy, will make anybody happy. And I thought, I get to do it. It was like, my, you know, Bob used to do things like that, or yeah. somebody else in the company would phone up the person and say, you have the job. But no, Bob, Bob wanted me to do it. So I remember the night happy. you called me. I was still a meteorologist at CBS2 in Palm Springs. And it was just a couple minutes before the uh, 6 o'clock show, and my wife called me. And she said, hey, this is after the audition process was almost, I did two weeks already on the air with Bob. And she said, hey, Roger Dobkowitz just called and, and he wants you to call him back at the house right now. Wow. And I was all mic'd up and everything. There was just seconds to go before the show. So I picked up the phone real quick and I called Roger at home. I said, hi, Roger, it's Rich Fields. And, 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 and Roger was like, uh, yeah, hey, one quick question for you. And I said, yeah, what's that? And Roger says, how would you like to work on The Price is Right? Oh my gosh. And I said, well, yeah, Roger, that's why I'm going through the process. And, and Roger said, no, I'm offering you the job. Wow. Do you remember that? Oh, oh, I remember that, yes. Yeah. I'll I never forget. Do. I remember, I where, I remember where I was standing. I remember where I was, where I was when you called, and I remember where I was standing when I had to call you. That is so awesome. Did you see something in Rich? You were a guy who drove across country to be uh, be a part of the game show industry. Did you see something in Rich that you saw in yourself, that kind of initiative? Yes, I always admired uh, anyone that took initiative, that took that chance, that, that uh, uh, you know, phones up or contacts the head guy. Why, why start with the underlings? You know, you just go straight to the top, might as, might as well. And I admired that. I'm, you know, I admire that those, it, it takes a certain kind of guts to do it. You yeah. know, I remember, I think I had just started, it was like my first week, and you had come into my dressing room to, to give me scripts or something, I can't remember the reason, but I do remember you getting ready to walk out the door, and you pulled the door open, started to walk, and you closed it, and you looked back at me, and you said, by the way, what took you so long? Do you remember that? No. <laughs> That's all right. I, I do, I because I was like, wow. He's asking me, what took you so long to, you know, get here and call me? And Wow. Yeah. 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 That, you guys changed was, my life. Good. Well, yes. We, you know, we, and we realized that, too. We, you know, we realized not only do we change lives like your, yours, which has really been changed, but we realize almost everybody that we touch on this show, the lives have been changed. Um, down to the down to a contestant. When we call a contestant, that person's life, when he gets up on stage, will be changed forever. 
right. his most outstanding memory of his life right. was being on the stage, standing next to Bob. He will remember that and talk about it and cherish that for the rest of his life. And we realized that. And that's why we were always so nice to our contestants. We treated them very nicely, and very gingerly, and we loved them. We loved yeah. them. We, we just knew what, how important it was for them to be there. Um, are you in contact with Bob at all? Mm, his family is right now. He's very, of course, very fragile. I have to say, uh, well, we all knew that. Um, his family sort of protects him quite a bit from outsiders. Right, they've kind of cut him off from everybody else, really. Yeah, I don't know his his exact state of health. Uh, I understand their their position. Um, I'm not I'm not a family member. I'm just his friend and I, I do want to say I think um, for the last few years of the show I, I'm not trying to build myself up as such a wonderful person but I think I think I was his best friend uh, because he confided in me a lot and we kept in contact after he left the show quite a bit and then it sort of stopped as he got older and I couldn't get to him anymore I left messages, tell Bob I called, okay, we will. Um, and it got to a point where messages were not returned anymore. So. Right, ditto. Last time I talked to him was his birthday, December 12th of 2019. And after that, uh, no, no, he wouldn't pick up the phone anymore. And then after that, the phone number was changed and I spoke with his publicist, Will Parappas, and he said that that was done on purpose. Rich, it's not just you. A lot of people are cut off of Bob now. Yeah, yeah. Is he a fairly private person? Was he always a fairly private person? Oh, he was extremely private. He had, he had, he didn't care for the social life. Um, he loved going home after, 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 he was devoted to his wife. And after he lost her, uh, he, he just went home. He loved watching the History Channel. Um, he, 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 he would call me up and we would talk about politics and about what's going on in the world. And like I said, I think I was his closest friend. Um, we would go to dinner two or three, four times a year. And um, he was, he was all, he, you know, he was an amazing man. I have this, this is his, the dinner story I like to say, tell about him, to let you know what kind of a, a guy he was. We'd go out to dinner. We would go out to dinner like a, like a regular Mexican restaurant. We would sit at a regular booth, no, no quiet booth in the back or in the corner. And we'd sit there, my wife, I, and him, and we would be eating dinner. And then people would walk by, and you could watch them walk by, and they said, well, that's Bob Parker. And they all respected his uh, privacy. But every so often, there would be one person who said, Bob, Bob, that's you. Oh, Bob, can I have a picture next to you? And he'd be in the middle of eating his dinner, literally putting food in his mouth. And he would put the food down. And he said, OK, you can have a picture. He would stand up and take a picture with them. 
And then he would sit down. I said, Bob, I said, I said, it's so nice that you do that. Most stars of Hollywood would say, buzz off, get out of my way. I'm trying to eat my dinner. He said, Roger, he said, these are the people that got me where I am today. Without these people, I would have nothing. So that's why I do it. And he would always do that very, very generously. Have, wouldn't get mad at them at all. Boy, that says a lot he about was, the was, Yeah, he was very respectful to his, his, uh, his fans. You know, we think of Bob Barker as being sort of this forever young guy uh, that, uh, I mean, we, we, I remember what a great punch he had when he when he hit uh, was it Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler yeah. Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore yes. um, and uh, but we you know his golfing he just seemed always so spry but I I take it now you know he is uh, he's up there in his years and 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 is having some struggling with health a bit right remember he did the show till he was 83 wow and he was he was in pretty good shape at 83 and hopefully when i hit 83 i'm aiming for the same kind of health that he had at his <laughs> age and he moved, he moved a lot he moved good back, backstage he moved around that stage he was witty he always remained witty he was witty in front of the cameras and he was witty behind the cameras he was the same person behind the cameras as he was in front of the cameras a lot of people think oh he, he was a different person behind the cameras no no, he was he was witty and friendly and nice behind the cameras. You'll hear some people say, "Oh, but he was so mean and tough." Barker had two hats. He was the MC and Barker, and then he was the executive producer. And when he put on the executive producer hat, he was dead serious. He loved The Price Is Right. He was extremely protective of the show. And if he ever got a whiff of something being done wrong or somebody being really lazy or really being awful to the show, he'd call them in his office and he would let them have it. I mean, he he's yelled at me for my mistakes because and that's where some people say, oh, he was mean and he was cruel to people. No, no, he was he put on his executive producer hat and he became that executive producer which protects his show. Yeah, you know, I'll tell Dave and Roger, you know this, uh, you know, Bob's knees were killing him, his back hurt him, and no matter how much pain he was in in the morning, you know, he'd get dressed, he'd put a suit on, and he'd be standing behind door two, and the announcer would be, and now, here's the star of The Price is Right. Bob would literally, like, start standing up real tall, Bob Barker, and he'd come through the doors like the Bob Barker you know and see every day, but he would literally buoy himself up to come through every right. day. Right, right, he would bounce through those doors. He yeah. always told me, Roger, put some more bounces. I, I, sometimes I would slouch and everything. He said, Roger, stand up straight and, and put some more bouncing. <laughs> he was right. I was, I didn't, I was, I was still cool. I was, I was in my 50s or 60s, and I was already acting like I was an old man, you know? So he was right. Put some bounce in my step and stand up straight. So I've heard Bob is wheelchair bound. Is that true, Roger? Do you know? Uh, uh, I would imagine. he His last fall was quite devastating to him. He fell. And he had to stay immobile. I was still talking to him at that time. He had to he had to stay immobilized in his bed like for six months. He broke something in his back. It was, 
and he actually had to stay still for up to six months. It drove him nuts. He didn't like it. Um, and about near the end of that healing process is when slowly I lost contact with him. So, so I he might be, he might be. Yeah. When it comes to Bob, we talk about uh, him being kind of his authentic self. Do you think, Roger, that's what makes a good game show host? Being your authentic self, being the same off camera as you are on TV. Obviously, there's a certain performance, uh, you know, angle to this as well. Oh, yeah. I think all successful game show hosts are like that. Uh, the ones I met are, um, I met Monty, I, I, I knew Monty Hall. Uh, Tom Kennedy, Jack Nars, um, uh, except for, oh, well, Gene Rayburn is a different story. Well, <laughs> but they all nice. They, they were tell all nice. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. <laughs> no, they were all nice. They're all, they were all gentlemen. They were all nice to people backstage. They were nice to the people who worked the show. They were just nice people. Uh, well, Gene was different. Gene was kind of, uh, he was kind of, he was like a little, he was there was an angry part of him. There was a, like a mean part. Was of it him. the liquor on the stage? Was, it, was that part of the problem? <laughs> no, no, he was, he was. Because um, there was, he, right? I heard in the old Goodson days, there was liquor backstage. Oh, everybody was drinking. Oh, yeah, between shows. Not only, not only on the match game of stars, I, I was just talking the other day to my wife. I said, I can't believe that during between shows on Price is Right, we used to have a long break, like a two-hour break, and everybody went across the street and drank for two hours and then came back and did a show. Uh, and I can't even imagine. The, oh, my God. Can't imagine what could go wrong. <laughs> I'll bet it made for I great know. shows. It did. I mean, I remember that I was in charge of, at that time, I was in charge of all the little uh, 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 prices that were put in and calculations and things like that. And there I was, after having three or four whiskey sours, I was still doing it okay. I, I'm, I'm amazed, you know. And there was nothing, there was not, it wasn't looked down upon. That was a different era. Oh, he had three or four drinks. Oh, as long as he can do the show. Fine, That's you know. crazy. You know, there. Different. as you look back at some of these old game shows, Roger, there is so much sexual innuendo in some of them. Uh, was that just very much a part of the shtick back, back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, I mean, I mean, that's what I guess that's what made Max game because that, that Max game was the first one to really get into the innuendos. Um, and it worked for that show. You know, uh, there were certain words we couldn't, it was funny, we couldn't say prostitute, but we could say, um, uh, wait a minute, we couldn't say prostitute, we could say whore, I think. Oh or something. We, we couldn't say breast, but we could say boobs. You know, they had all these strange, strange rules. Yeah, I think we couldn't say prostitute, but we could say whore. Oh my Isn't that amazing? Look at Steve Harvey yeah. on Family Feud now. Yeah. It's so riddled with sexual innuendo. Oh, sure. It almost turns some folks oh. off. Yeah. Oh, the new MASH game drives me nuts. I, I've watched the new MASH game with Alec, Alec uh, uh, Baldwin. Uh, Baldwin. And the questions are straightforward sex questions. And you know what? 
I, I don't want to be a Mr. Goody two shoes or something, but I don't care for that. It's innuendo is far more fun than just coming out and and putting in sex jokes and sex questions and just you know, I just found the show kind of uh, very bad taste, extremely bad taste. Yeah. And yeah, give and give me a break. Alec Baldwin is not a game show host. You know, and they put him there. <laughs> This is this is a point. This is a oh, get, this gets me going. I I'll tell you what gets me going. All right, well, let's hear it. <laughs> game shows today that are coming out today are not really game shows. They're scripted reality shows. Game shows up until digital rec- editing were always done live to tape. It was like a live show. You had to have an MC that knew how knew the show from top to bottom, who knew how to be charming, who knew how to take care of problems while the show is taping, who who knew how to handle everything. They were hard to find. I mean, there, there were only a few really good game show hosts, and they went from show to show to show to show. And then digital editing came and reared its ugly head. Because, you know, you did, you did shows alive to tape because tape was hard to edit. It was, you actually had to splice it. And technicians, of course, got better and better over the years, but that was hard to do. So you always did, you mainly always did shows live to tape, hopefully did the whole show with one, one take. But then digital editing came, and now you could pick anybody to be a host, like Alec Baldwin. And because you can stop tape, oh, stop tape, let's tell them what to do now. Oh, there's a problem. He doesn't know what to do. Okay, let's stop tape and let's redo it. Oh, we don't like the contestant. Let's stop tape and we'll re we'll, we'll redo it. It's it's completely scripted today. It's no longer a reality show, and that really bothers me. You have some still. Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy are still done live to tape, uh, but these other shows, uh, they're getting these has been actors and actresses to be hosts. They're not hosts. That's just now a performer, you know, and and these games, these new game shows do not, they're not game shows, they're scripted reality shows, including the contestants who are told how to act, what story to tell. Right. And that's, that's not fun anymore. I don't, I, I watch these shows and they're, they just don't have it. They're not fun. Agreed. Very predictable. Um, what was great, yeah. you know, when it comes to unpredictable, what was the most unpredictable thing that you saw on The prices right during your years? Hmm. Oh, the most unpredictable. Well, it it really goes back to year one when we had a woman, the woman faint. On, see, live to tape. She fainted. And so what did we do? We didn't stop tape. Jay Wolpert, our producer at that time, came out and started tr- trying to revive her. Bob Bocker, Bob, Bob took a few steps back and said, I think she's okay, I think she's okay. And the show just went on. Even the show, she, we never really saw her get up again. We just knew somehow she was okay. But this was the miracle of life to tape, you know? And that that was the most amazing thing I ever saw. I th- we had two women faint, and so it was, it was always the. We always wanted people to faint. We didn't have that many. <laughs> what about the time uh, the lady came running on down, 
and her tube top. Oh, tube top. Live to tape again. God bless live to tape. Her tube top came down. And and both of them came out. And as she was jumping around, they were both jumping around too. And the audience was laughing. And, <laughs> and Johnny Olsen was laughing. And Bob didn't even see it because he was backstage. And by the time he came through the doors, uh, she covered herself up. And um, see, once again, live to tape, you know? God bless. That's what makes a good show. Do you remember the line Bob said to Johnny, what happened out here? What did Johnny say? Oh, they get there. He said, uh, they're giving their all to you, Bob. Isn't that (laughs) it? Yeah. Bob told that story a lot. She came on down and they came on out. Crazy. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Bob was so good at picking up on that humor and letting it kind of run almost a theme at times throughout the show. Yes. Yes. Bob, Bob always said, um, I mean, that was his, that was his talent. He said, he said, Roger, he said, what I do out there is I take that contestant and I make him the star for five minutes. I make everybody love that person and become the center of attention. And he ran, he always ran with that. Sometimes he had a great contestant, he would bring that contestant, he would refer to that contestant several times during the show. He knew how to do that, he had that talent. Amazing talent. Nobody has that talent nowadays, you know? They don't have to, it's all, all digitally edited. You know, we'll give you the lines. We'll give you the ad-libs, you know. We'll tell you how to act with this contestant. You know, Roger yeah. was talking earlier about Bob having two hats, the host hat and the executive producer hat. And I'll never forget the day, Roger, and I'm going to ask you if you have any recollection of it. Do you remember the day that I accidentally gave away a Corvette on the show? Yeah. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> Of course he does. It was a $60,000 car. But you know what? It made good television. It made good how did we resolve television. that? How, how was that fixed? Did, did we pick up and keep going? Because fans have asked, what happened, Rich? Did you roll out a new game, a new car? How, was, how did we resolve that? Did we just give him the car? I, I forget. I wish I, I wish I could remember what game that was. Uh, but a $60,000 car would have only been in in Golden Road or Three Strikes Plus. It, so I don't know, I, you know, I don't exactly remember how we resolved it unless Bob just said, oh, you know the price, well, well we're forced to give, give you the car anyway. Because he would love doing that. He loved giving away the prizes. My recollection is that Bob came, we stopped tape, and that was the only time I thought I was in trouble with Mr. Barker. Hmm. That executive producer hat came on, and oh, he gave me a dirty look like you wouldn't believe. But my recollection is we came back to tape, and Bob said, well, there's nothing left to do but give you the car. Right. That's probably what, you know, I don't remember precisely, but that's... Mm -hmm sound very likely what we did it made it made bob look good it made the show look good and it wasn't entirely rich's fault because somehow somehow um, on rich's paper the price of the car was thank you, at the <laughs> thank bottom you of the sheet, and it shouldn't have been entered at the bottom of the sheet 
And so you probably read it like we, like prize packages are read right. that way. You read the copy and then down at the bottom it's a prize. A prize package is worth $6,500 and you saw the price and you said probably right. a car with 60000 because you were probably on automatic pilot, Rich. Totally. I don't know how we got through rehearsal and nobody catching it. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yes. I, I don't know how we got too many rehearsals and nobody caught the mistake. <laughs> so you, you excusing Rich Roger is almost like a priest excusing uh, somebody who's oh, done something totally. wrong. Had a confessional. You were absolved. <laughs> Uh, I'm only absolving him 50% because he shouldn't have read it. Shouldn't have read it, <laughs> sure. right. And there's also... We put it down there to tempt him. And there's also that commandment, thou shall not steal, and he has an awful lot of stuff from the prices, right? I you never stole steal. anything! <laughs> I asked somebody... I may have not asked the right person, Roger, but I never stole anything. Yes, that's true. It would have all been thrown in the garbage heap. See? Yes. And, and the dump back there. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you took it. You know, I only wish I had taken some of that. Thank stuff. you. Thank you, Father. You exalt his <laughs> sins again. <laughs> I, I, have, I have something very valuable, Barker Dollars. Oh, nice. Wow, wow one of the original these Barker are, Dollars. Yep. These are from the uh, 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 balance game. Yeah. And uh, I think I, I have quite a few of them. <laughs> and I think they're quite valuable are among they? the fame. Oh, yeah. Oh, among the things, the price is right. And I plan, if my retirement fund runs out, I'm going to sell these. How, nice. much, how much would that go for, Roger, do you think? Have you, oh. have you figured that well, out? Well, I, I would be very careful not to flood the market with the numbers I have. But let's just say I just have to, the only one left in the world. <laughs> I bet it would get over a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. Let's take this bids. Let's take bids not. right now. For crying out loud, we we could sell this thing for That's Roger. Great. Now we have the California Gaming Commission coming back at you. <laughs> oh. You know, they would, it's good material. It it's it's like solid. It feels like a real silver dollar. Yeah. So. Well. We uh, now now that people know that you have those for sale, Roger. Who knows? You you may have this. This may be a profitable uh, you know podcast for you here. It could be. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, before we go, uh, there's a bunch of questions from viewers, and one of the, one of the questions is uh, something I get asked about all the yeah. time. I know what Lawrence Siegel told me, Roger, but uh, let, let let's just dive into it. This is a message from Nick Michael. He said, most of us loyal fans heard about a supposed dispute between Bob and Rod during Rod's final years, that it was over wanting additional pay for extra million dollar spectaculars, and that Rod's camera time was eliminated due to that. So if this was true, did Bob really go see Rod in the hospital in his final days like Bob has said he did? Oh, we Bob wanted to see Rod in the hospital. I was with them. I went to the hospital with with Bob to say to 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 give wishes to uh, uh, Rod Roddy. Oh yeah, if somebody says we didn't, they they're just trying to start a story. Well, that's I think what they're trying to say is they heard of this dispute and they thought, oh, if Bob and Rod, Rod were fighting, did Bob really bury the hatchet and go see Rod in the hospital? And and he did. Lawrence told me that Bob and you made a couple of visits. 
Yes. No, there was, there was, <clears throat> what, what happened, you know, Rod had, Rod had an agent, a manager, who was really tough, a real tough one, and thought a lot for Rod. And Rod did not, not gain any merit points with the business people at Mark Goodson Productions. He, he, I don't know, they, they never told me exactly what he wanted, what Rod wanted. Um, uh, there was a point where they before taping, they before our series of taping, I got a phone call saying, Roger, have a list of three or four announcers to call for tomorrow in case Rod doesn't show up. I said, well, Rod not, might not show up. No, Rod might not show up. This is how close it came for Rod not working the show. I don't know what he was asking for, but it must have been pretty big, and the company was probably pretty pissed off at him. So you gotta throw that into the mix. He was not an endearing personality as regards to his pay and his business interests with, with the company. So. Put, I was told, and, and see if you can add anything to this, I was told that somebody, either a manager or Rod himself, said, hey, there's two main people on this show. There's Bob Barker and there's me. And I talk more than Bob Barker. And that apparently rubbed feathers wrong. Had you heard that? I, I did not hear him say that. I heard him say something similar to that which I thought if Bob hears that or anybody in the market company hears that, they're going to have a fit. I saw him on one of these, he was, uh, I guess, some entertainment show or some news show where they were interviewing him. And Rod called, called himself co-host of The Price is Right. And I no saw that on way. TV and I thought, Oh my God! If any, if, if Bob hears that, or anybody at Mark Goodson hears Rod calling him co-host, because it, there was no way in the world he's co-host. I mean, he might in his mind think he's co-host because he's on camera so much, but he's not co-host. And I thought, whoa! If they ever hear about that, yeah, and maybe they did hear about that too. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's interesting. Everybody's replaceable on television, as, oh, yeah. as a lot of folks yeah. have found out over the years, except for Bob Barker, really not replaceable. When you look at the new show versus the old show, how different is that to you, Roger? Yeah. Oh, the, to me, they're two yeah. different shows. They're two different shows. Um, Bob's show, uh, some of the essence, I won't go, in the, I mean, go on forever, but Bob's show was all about the contestant lied to tape all of that the contestant was the star drew's show is not about the contestant because he doesn't talk to the contestants he, he never says uh oh tell me about yourself he says where are you from that's it he does the, the new show is about the show itself what they try to do is to change the set as often as they you see that they change the set all the time they uh, try to get unusual prizes, like a hundred pairs of designer shoes as a prize, you know? and uh, they do gimmicks all the time. It's about the show now. It's not about the contestants, especially the contestants now. All seem to be alike. They all jump and they all scream and they all 
because they have a small audience. They don't even have the 300 people in the audience anymore. It's like a, it's like a nightclub. It looks like a nightclub, and they call up people, and they all act the same. It's it's it, it it it's it's beginning to feel kind of cheap. It's it's like it's like a foreign. I used to watch foreign versions of The Price Is Right, and they were kind of cheap looking, you know. And this is unfortunate, but this show is now looking like it's it's eh, you know what? If some people love it, I'm not going to put it down. I mean, really, I, I just it's not my cup of tea, and and it's so different from Bob's version. It's like a it's like a different show. We have a few more questions for you here from from listeners and viewers here. Uh, this one's from Christopher Gobb writes. Um, on the video of the morning of Bob's last show, the slate with the games, the final three games were played in reverse order of the first three games on Bob's first 1972 episode. Was this by design, Roger? It was by design. It was. Um, a game missing there, though, is double prices. Double prices should have been played. But Bob did not want to play double prices on his last show. But it was by by design. I wanted I wanted any number to be the very last game played because that was, of course, his very first game. And I wanted that game won on the last show, but it wasn't. It wasn't won. We tried to make it really easy to be won, but it wasn't won. Yes. We have some other uh, other questions here. This is from uh, somebody named David Saint Dennis. Hi, Roger. Doesn't David St. Dennis sound like a somebody yeah, on TV? Yeah, I'm David St. Okay, Dennis, David CKLW. <laughs> 2020 News. Uh, hi, Roger. My question is somewhat of a two and two here. Uh, how long does it take to prepare for any game show like The Price is Right for an episode? And also, do you have any advice for someone who wants to be in the game show TV business or maybe who wants to do their own game show on television? Well, uh, how long it takes to get our show? Well, um, we start... Uh, you mean you mean uh, uh, I guess I guess he means a specific program. How long yeah, it takes from yeah, the, per, per, per a typical episode. Uh, well, we uh, it would take about okay. We sit down. We say okay. We're going to plan show number six three three four D. Okay, that show will be taped about seven weeks later. So seven weeks from the time wow. we that's sit far, in the wow. office and say that's what we're going to do. And, Seven weeks later, it, it comes alive. Hmm. Yeah. And any advice and for someone? The, any advice, Roger, for business. someone who wants to get into well, the game show no. industry? Uh, unfortunately, TV has changed a lot since I left it. <laughs> um, I would say to get into TV, you've just got to um, um, find program. There, there's so many. TV shows right now, taping, cable, streaming, there's so many. You've got to find out which ones are hiring. Um, I think there are apps and platforms where you can find out um, where they're hiring. And attach yourself, yourself to any show. Um, attach yourself to any show and then be your best. You know, it's not so hard. <laughs> it's not so hard to be your best anymore because there are so many people in the business that are not the best. They don't even know how to show up on time. 
So as long as you show up on time and do what they tell you, you're going to be top. You're going to be top gun because there's my my daughter works on a, a show in the past, and she used to come home and tell me how inept, not the show she's working on now, but a show she was working on before. She'd come home and tell me how inept everybody was on the staff. They wouldn't show up on time. They didn't know how to do stuff. And all you have to do now is find a job, get on a TV show, and just be on time and listen to what they have to say. And then when they tell you to do it, make sure you do it perfectly. And when you You'll call the company, get the head guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or break in, or break into the CBS studios there with your father. Either way, will work for you. Oh, Roger, this has been great, man. We're going to have to have you back on. There's so much we want to talk to you yeah. about, but there's just oh, not enough time so in a podcast. More. There's so much more. I can tell you the difference between Drew Carey and Bob Barker. Oh, oh there, there's, there's our next there's show our, with Roger. Tease. Don't, <laughs> reveal okay. don't, don't reveal <laughs> it. Don't reveal it. We want to hear this. Oh, that's fantastic, yeah, Roger. This. This is fantastic. Remember, if you are listening to this episode on your traditional uh, podcast provider like Apple Music or Spotify, you can see most of the photos shown on today's episode here. You can see Roger's beautiful face as well uh, by going to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash come on, come on down podcast. Again, that's facebook.com slash come on down podcast. Send your questions. Next time we have Roger on, we'll ask some of those questions as well. Roger, you are a gentleman and just great. God bless you, brother. I love you so much. And I wanted to prove a point. You know, in social media, they can be awfully mean, you know? Yeah. But I just want to point my finger at that one person that says, always refers to me as a bitter old man. I'm not a bitter old man. I'm quite happy. <laughs> no, he's happy. He's joyful. Yeah. Oh, well, we, God bless you. We'd like to talk to you again. And we agree. You're not a bitter old man. So. Okay, uh, good. Thanks yeah. for being on, Roger. Yeah, so great talking to you. Love okay. you, man. Oh, okay, so like Dave said, uh, go to our Facebook page, Facebook slash Come On Down Podcast. You can see pictures from today's show. You can make comments there. Uh, always try to subscribe to the 10 Tampa Bay YouTube page. It's the only place you can see the podcast. You can catch up and watch any of them there. And um, you'll also get alerts when the show is about to happen live or if I'm taking uh, questions live or something sure. like that. Or if Roger's going to be on. So, yeah, or yeah. when Roger's going to be on. Exactly yeah, right. This is great. So we hope you join us next time for another episode of Come On Down. Thanks for tuning in to Come On Down with Rich Fields. See more photos and videos mentioned on this episode. Plus, interact with Rich on Facebook at facebook.com slash comeondownpodcast or on Twitter at comeondownpod. Have a question for Rich? Use Facebook Messenger to connect on our Come On Down Podcast Facebook page. And remember, new episodes are live every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern.